Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. Anyone who has been around Liz, our storyteller for today, knows that she is full of life and humor. And when Liz talks about anything, she is animated and expressive. And I really wish we had a video to share with you from when she told her story. But what we do have are pictures that are posted in our show notes on our website, storytellerslive.org. These are just pictures that Liz shared throughout her story. And it helps you get a visual as she talks about growing up and feeling like an awkward child and then finding confidence and kind of a unique identity as she grew up and became a model. And then how all of that was challenged when she began losing her hair to alopecia. And there's so much more to her story, including the lasting impact that someone can have in your life when they believe in you and your talents. As you know, we pass out cards at our local gatherings that feature a quote or scripture selected by our storyteller. Well, Liz had painted this beautiful and touching picture of Jesus placing a crown on a girl's head, and it says, you're a daughter of the king. And all I can say is, it's not just any painting. I mean, I almost cried when I looked at it because it captures such a precious truth, and it's just so breathtakingly beautiful. We definitely want you to be able to see that. Just go to our show notes again on our website, storytellerslive.org. She is just a phenomenal artist. Okay, I know you're ready for me to get onto the story, so here is Liz. Right. Am I close enough to this? Okay. I love microphones. <laughs> How much I love speaking on microphones and being in front of people, but you would think that I didn't like it from how nervous I was this morning. All week I've been kind of waiting, you know, thinking I'm really going to sit down with God. We are really going to have a powwow and figure out exactly how I'm going to share this. And every time I have, I've just been like... I've tried to manufacture, like, I've tried to take, like, okay, this is going to be so great because I'm going to get to tell stories. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my gosh, Liz, I was trying to, like, reach back. You know, I was like, let me just go back because I kind of wanted to thought, I kind of thought, you know, this will be like a, you know, I'll tell kind of the stories of my life that are like, only you. That would only happen to you, Liz. And I was thinking back, and I had all these listed, and I'm like, why am I, what am I doing? Like, I just had one of these, like, yesterday, <laughs> like, on Sunday. Um, first of all, I, I um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much just kind of unfiltered. And I know that, that, that I am, you know, I thought maybe that I was coming to a women, women without filters meeting, which I think they do need to come up with that women without filters. Um, so, okay. So I was just trying to think of good examples and like on Sunday, just, this is just an example of, I don't know that I'm unfiltered because I do filter because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I'm not one of those people, oh, should just tell you like it is. I'm like, that outfit looks terrible on you. I'm not like that. But I'm just not afraid to make, you know, just, I don't know. It's like something comes over me and I have to be an idiot in public. (laughs) 
and I was sitting at a hotel um, for we were there for soccer in Atlanta and I saw this this girl and she was had like her tennis stuff and her mom was with her and I was like Liz just eat your bagel just eat your bagel eat your bagel drink your coffee you know you don't have to ask of course I have like three 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 sips of my coffee and I'm like so where are you playing? You know, and start talking. <laughs> Turns out they're from Birmingham. Turns out she goes to Brookwood Forest. And I'm like, <sighs> you're a grand old school. You're a high-ranking school. You're the best in the South. We all say Brookwood Forest. Here the students are smart and do their part. This is me. And there's a guy over there going, <laughs> we're loyal to you every day. Do, 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 do. Every heartbeat's true for that old green and blue. You're the best school in every way. But should old acquaintance be forgot, our school is here to stay. Brooklyn Forest. And I did that entire thing. <laughs> and the little girl who was like, and the mom was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Like, who's this drunk lady? Was she still down here from the bar last night? Like, what is going on? And I was like, D- I mean, do you not know that song? She's like, I've never heard that song, ever. I'm like, they don't have that song. Okay, well, I guess uh, y'all need to learn it, because that was a grand old school. <laughs> so, um, anyway, but I do um, have these uh, only you, Liz, you know. But it usually revolves around my... my my conversations with strangers and Sarah Ellen and I have talked about this we love strangers I love me a stranger because if I don't have a moment that's great with them then I got another chance like wherever I am you know it's like somebody if somebody rejects me I'm like it's alright I'm just gonna I'll go through the McDonald's drive through <laughs> get to know that person you know start talking to him about their braces you know they, he just has the brackets on but he his wire came off like a year ago and he does not want to go back and get the brackets off because they charge him and he's got a bill that's coming and he just has the brackets on forever <laughs> so those are the kind of conversations that I have with people um, Paige can attest she's been, and, and it's funny because my Poor husband. My sweet husband is back there, Brett. Um, If he takes me on a date, I have to say to myself, Liz, you are here to talk to Brett. Like, y'all are on a date. Because I am like, hey, is that good? What did y'all get? Uh, You know, and I'm talking to people. And I don't know what the deal is, but God has made me this bold person when it comes to strangers. Now, I'm not as good with friends. I'm not as good <laughs> with keeping up and being a good friend, um, and, and it, which I'm working on, you know, all the time. Um, but I do love stories, and I love telling stories. And if somebody is telling a story, I'm like, oh, that totally reminds me of a story. And I'll tell them that story. So I got real excited thinking I was going to tell just a bunch of stories. And I'm like, no, this is not the Moth podcast where they just tell these different <laughs> random stories and it's over. This is, I do have a story, and people do like to hear it. I, I get it in my mind that people have heard my story. They might be tired of hearing my story. And I kind of want to make it something specific. I continue to want to write my own story um, and realizing that every single time I share it, I have to go back and change some things because I'm always learning something different about the way that my story has has braided together throughout the years, um, I'll look back and go, gosh, that was really actually kind of cool. I didn't even realize that. And then I kind of have to 
add that in and you know it's it's doesn't just come out now i do share my story with strangers heaven forbid a girl be in the bathroom and say oh my god my hair is terrible and me not go girl you do not know about bad hair let me just tell you about my hair <laughs> and then i start telling them and then i'm like but you know what god is so good and then i use it you know as an opportunity at the same time the girl's like <laughs> Okay, you know, but you never know, you know, God is going to use it. Um, so he's using my, my love of strangers um, for that, I think, definitely. I am going to kind of throw in some side stories in um, with my bigger story. Um, but I grew up here in Birmingham. I went to Ole Miss where Brett and I met. Um, we have three kids. Uh, they're 17. My da- our daughter's 17. Um our middle son's 15, and our youngest son is 13. So you heard the word teen, which is so fun. I love teenagers. Um, God is all, always, when I was growing up, building character. My mom would always say, well, I mean, you're just building character. And I remember thinking, I've got enough. I'm so tired of this building character. But I do look back at how um, different experiences growing up have really made me who I am. I definitely, there must be something to the birth order thing because I'm the oldest and my sisters thought I was so cool no matter what. And looking back at me, I, I, mm -mm. (laughs) and they still, and my sister Kate will be like, I mean, we thought you were so cool. And I mean, look at this picture. How did we think you were cool? I'm like, I don't know, but you gave me tons of confidence. Um, I was very, very, very skinny. And I mean, kids would say, are you from Ethiopia? You're just Ethiopian. And people that are my age remember the commercials to feed the Ethiopian child. They w- That was a big thing. It was Ethiopian. Um, I was really, really easy to make fun of. I didn't have these in order. I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing it, right? <laughs> This is not a story about transgender. (laughs) This is me. (laughs) This is me. And the glasses, they aren't just tinted because I'm in the sun. They were tinted all the time. (laughs) My mom was obsessed with, oh, y'all, I mean, one time, side story, one time I went to Gus's Hot Dogs, and I was wearing this, and I mean, when my hair got to be a little bit longer, I stuck it out of a hole in the back of a hat. So I guess I especially look like a boy, and he, the, the man goes, all right, young man, what would you like? And I was like, I don't know, young man. You know. Um, and so, yeah, so my mom was kind of obsessed with, um, with flat hair. Like, my hair was flat. It was, th- it was fine and flat. And so she needed to give me body waves. She needed to take me to the, the salon and have them give me perms. But no, there were body waves. Body waves. <laughs> I remember the smell. I remember how long it took. I remember what was next. I mean, which in which order. I remember especially wonderful time where I was getting a body wave. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking... Ow, this is burning. Ow. <laughs> and I look back, and the girl's like, anyway, so so I was telling her, uh-uh, and she was talking on the phone, and I was thinking, she's got, this is, and she didn't look at me, and I just sat there with my cape on, and I'm going, this hurts. I don't know what's happening. She comes back over, and she's like, oh, oh, and she goes like this and to pull a curl out. 
and just the whole curling iron curling thing with my hair just broke off. So I had all I had very short hair because it had broken off where it had been curled. Yes. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I mean, thinking, oh my gosh. So it was like curly and short. And I went back to school and I think that was right before this. I think this might be the tail end of the body wave. Gosh, I look like a poodle with glasses. (laughs) Anyway, getting made fun of finally did break me down. You know, it finally did. And it was, I was so afraid. There was a child, another little girl that was in our grade, and she was somebody that other kids didn't like. She annoyed everybody. But she was never... She, it's almost like she never knew it. And so she would come up and try to talk and everybody be rolling their eyes and nobody would talk to her. Well, I didn't want to do that. I was so afraid of being that little girl. So I separated myself from everyone. And I remember, and th- I mean, this morning I just sat there and tried not to cry thinking about this because I, having children now, you think of your children doing this. But I separated myself at lunch and I sat by myself at a little table. I, I, I don't know how long my teachers let me do that. I can't imagine, but this was like 1985 or whatever. Um, but I did sit by myself um, trying to kind of not annoy people, not be that kid they had to hang out with. It was probably after the perm fail. I probably was like, they don't want to be around, you know, I look like Aunt, you know, Velma or whatever, you know. Um, so... I really, it really did kind of break me down. Um, and there was, there was a, a little girl that I sat across from in third grade. And the year started okay. I had this teacher named Judy Deegan, Miss Deegan. And the year started out okay, but I was sitting right across our desks, you know, facing each other in fours. And this little girl, I mean, she was F. She wasn't Eddie Haskell. And she is precious now. And if she's listening to this podcast, I I forgive you, even though we haven't talked about it ever. But I do. I do. Um, Because she was nice after that. It never seemed to be a bully after that. But it was a really hard year because I was facing her. My mom called and said, hey, Miss Deegan, you know, Liz is, you know, Elizabeth is struggling. You know, can you move her? And she was like, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. So from that point on, that teacher kind of took an interest in me. And she, she was so awesome. I remember her... I remember her trying. I remember her, she changed my name from Elizabeth to Liz. She just, in front of everybody, she goes, you know what? You seem like a Liz to me. Can I call you Liz? I think your name should be Liz, not Elizabeth. You just look like fun Liz. And so she changed my name. And I remember thinking, I mean, if anybody's ever given you a nickname, if you're somebody that people gave, it, it feels special when somebody, because they like think of you in a, to me, it's like a, it's like a, it's a compliment. It's like they're thinking of you in a fun way and they're changing, they're making your name short or they're doing, you know, you don't usually give somebody a nickname you don't like. So I felt special. She also was organizing or doing a play and it was Aesop's Fables. And I remember she was like, mate, she made me the hair and the hair and the tortoise. And that was kind of a big deal. 
And I mean, it was. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I remember feeling special because I got to do that. And I remember kind of knowing what she was doing. But the, the best thing that happened was I always would draw. I mean, I always could draw. And it was one of those things that I would doodle on everything and I'd make little books. And my family, we laugh a lot. We love to laugh and make each other laugh. We love to make fun of each other. It's kind of a, we love to tell stories about each other. You know, it was, it was always just something fun. So I would do something funny or draw something funny. And, you know, my mom would be like, look at this, look what she made, you know. And it, I remember thinking, it was fun to do that, but I don't remember thinking it was anything special, you know, that I could draw. And we were in art class, and that same little girl was in there, and I remember her, you know, looking at me and saying something awful, and then looking at the teacher and being like, hey, you know, and the teacher being like, you are the best artist to her. And she's not an artist. I'm just saying. She's complete opposite brain <laughs> now. Just saying that I didn't think, but I wasn't like, I'm an artist, you know, I'm, you know, but I was thinking, oh, you know, she's the favorite here and, you know, just kind of not really feeling sorry for myself, but just more like, I didn't know enough to feel sorry for myself. It was more like, this is who I am. I'm just kind of by myself, you know, but um, so Miss Deegan came in and we were drawing and, um, or yeah, we had, I think it was like color pencils or, you know, pastels or something. And I had drawn a, it was like a bird in a nest, but you're looking down at it. And so it had like, you know, the outside of the nest, you know, that's kind of flaring out. And then on the inside, you had the little bird's face looking up. Well, she comes up and she's like, oh my gosh, is it a lion? Because <laughs> it was like, you know, up in the main, you know? And I was like, yes, <laughs> it is a lion. You know, I was like, I guess it could be. And I think I changed it or whatever. And she was like, and she walked around and then she came back and she whispered in my ear, yours is the very best in the class. And y'all, I mean, it changed my life. It absolutely changed my life. And that one sentence that she said to me, changed my life because I was like, I'm good at something. So I'm good. I'm, there's something I can do, you know, that's good. Um, and you know, elementary school is elementary school. I mean, it had ups, it has its ups and it had its ups and downs, but right around the, um, between sixth and seventh, tell me when I started and tell me, okay, between sixth and I'm like, anyway, and my third grade teacher and then my fourth grade teacher, <laughs> just do this. <laughs> if you need me to hurry. <laughs> so, um, but so uh, in between sixth and seventh, um, and at Mountain Brook seventh, it was junior high. So you went to the, to the middle school, you went to junior high in seventh. And I remember like, I am taking over. This is the new list. I'm growing my hair out. Mom, get your hands off my hair. <laughs> the curling iron, put it up, put it up. I'm growing my hair out, ditching these glasses. I'm getting contacts. Like I am going to be popular if it kills me, you know, going to be popular. I'm going to be, um, and you know, I mean, I, I was much cuter, much cuter and, and people were nicer. Girls were nicer. They just are. If you don't, if you're not, you know, you don't have this situation, then what are they going to make fun of? (laughs) 
so I grew my hair out and all that and, and kind of, you know, started, you know, kind of taking a little bit more, you know, effort, things like that. Um, during this time also, I grown up going to two totally different churches, um, completely different. Um, one place was super, 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 super long. We were there for like two hours sitting in the same chair, so I'd zoned out. And the other place had those, some of the same bullies there. And so I would go, we'd go one week to the one that you thought you would die of boredom. And then the one that you walked into Sunday school and it was, huh, why come your hair is so green? Because that was added. So add green to that. <laughs> um, and it was not good. So I, it, I just kind of never engaged in church at all, but around the eighth grade, um, a friend of mine invited me to Bible study, so I went to Bible study, and I'd never been invited, but I heard they had good snacks, I remember they had Nutter Butters, and I heard the gospel for the first time. Um, I heard that, you know, that I, I was a sinner, that we're all sinners, and it's not based on what we do, but who we are, um, and that sin, the wages of sin was death but that God had sent someone to pay for it and to take my place. And once he, once he had done that, and I knew that he did, that he could live in my heart. And I was like, um, what? Like, what? Um, and so I walked up to the teacher, or the helper, was Anita Barker. It was Donna Green and then Anita Barker. And I was like, literally, like, sh- tried to talk, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. I felt like I was in math class, um, not understanding anything. And um, she was like, girl, why don't you go call your mom, and we'll go eat dinner, and I'll tell you about it. So I I became a Christian that night. Um, of course, when she explained it to me, I was like, yes, yes. It's just amazing. Like, why wouldn't I? It was so Oh my gosh. So then I was like, how come nobody's ever told me this? Then I got kind of mad. You know, I was like, how come I'd never heard this before? Instead of just embracing when, you know, when God had had um saved me. So that was the beginning of my of my faith journey. And see, before that, during my confusion of going to two different churches, I had heard about, so this about I would say about the second grade, I had heard about um, people being atheists and that they didn't believe in God. And I remember thinking, but they're called atheists. And I remember thinking, I want, I'll, do, I'll be that. That sounds good. And I remember thinking, it felt good because I was part of something. I, was, I believed in something, even if it was believing in nothing. Um, and so I literally, like, I don't think I told anybody, but I was like, there's no God. He's not there. Like, I would sit and be like, no. So that there isn't one, you know, just a young mind. I mean, you only know what's in front of you. And I just didn't, I didn't believe. So it was about second grade through eighth, me not believing in anything. And it wasn't like an active, there is no God. It was just, I don't remember much, but God was there, of course, you know, watching over me and writing my story. Um, So I started to, um, the boys started to notice me, started getting attention for my looks. Um, In the 10th grade, um, I was in the mall, was at the Galleria, a.k.a. the Gonorrhea. I'm sorry, I have to call it that. (laughs) 
It is. It is. Um, sorry, gallery of people. <laughs> um, but I I was walking through the food court and yielding. I don't know if anybody remembers, if you want to show your age and raise your hand, you know yielding. Um, but they were having a model search. And I was very, very unique. This was, I was a very unique high school student. Like I liked the thrift store before the thrift store was cool to some people. It was not even cool to those people yet. <laughs> but I would like go and buy like an old man's hat. You know, I remember I had a cowboy hat and my boyfriend at the time gave me a iguana, like a little lizard. <laughs> and I brought that lizard with me to school. This is a sad story. I brought that little lizard with me to school and he would ride on in my bra. <laughs> he did. I'm sorry. Do you want me to stop talking? Um, so he would. He was right there in the little space there. And people, I'd be like, beep, you know, in his little head. would be right there. But I had this lizard, like, I think I'd wear a cowboy hat, and he would sit on my cowboy hat and not jump off. So weird. Anything to be different. Anything. Uh, but I had the lizard with me, and um, I met modeling agents and I was like I want to be in the you know model search he was like come here let me talk to you and so he did and I loved I love him Michael Fulmer I love him to this day um but he was like why don't I just take some Polaroids of you I was like can my lizard be in the picture he was like lizard I was like yeah pull the lizard out and I was like I think I have those pictures somewhere but I mean a Polaroid of me like he was like, yes, I want you. I want you. <laughs> so I won the yielding model search. I was the yielding girl above all yielding girls. Um, so it was really, really exciting. And so I started, um, I started modeling. And I would feel really special when I was modeling. You know, you're, you're the star. You know, you're the whole, you know, it's really super fun. I mean, really is, especially when you're young like that. And um, in the market that I was in, it was, you know, you weren't being asked to do anything strange. Um, and so it was really fun, and I made great money. In fact, it killed my my poor husband has had to deal with me like, how much per hour? Oh, not very much. You know, because you'd make like 150 bucks an hour or something crazy. And so as far as working a regular job after that, that didn't, you know, I was like, what? You know, um, but I remember having this fear because I knew that my outer appearance was important to me. And I remember thinking, if I just don't say it out loud, you know, then maybe God won't hear how important it is to me. But I do know, and I had heard enough from Bible study to know that there, there was an idol thing, you know, that I didn't call it that, but that if something is really that important to you, God can just take it away, just swipe it away. Like the big boogeyman, you know, that's your understanding is, is, you know, it's taken me years to understand that even removing something is done out of love. It's not something to fear. Um, but I was afraid of that. I thought I, at some point, if, you know, I get in an accident and my nose falls off, I won't be able to do this anymore. And then I remember thinking, who will they, who will people say I am? Because I was so used to people saying, oh, Liz is a model. And they would introduce me to people. You need to meet my friend Liz. Oh, you've seen her. She does that commercial. You know, um, and, you know, I would be thinking, okay, like, this is how they think of me. You know, this is how 
they um, how people define me. You know, and if you really think about, and I heard Carrie Kampaka say this, if you think about, like, if you had to define yourself, if you had to introduce yourself, which we do a lot, you know, in groups or whatever. My name's Liz, and, you know, I've got three kids, and I'm an artist. And you're just naming the parts you play, you know, the parts you play in life. You're really not saying who you are. But in my mind, I was like, that's who I am. I, I didn't know how to be anything else. Um, so, you know, like in high school, I, you know, I did do AP art, you know, but I was like, what, you know, that's just fun. I just never thought of art all along as being a thing. Um, but when I decided, when we, when I went to Ole Miss, I was like, well, I guess I'll be an art major. You know, I'm not, I was never a, I felt that's a whole nother story, but I felt very dumb as a child. I felt, you know, I was always pulled out of class, but never explained why, you know, Liz, you're not dumb. You have a learning disability in math, just math. But that was never explained. It was, I was a senior in high school before I was like, wait, what? Like I have that written down, but nothing else. So I thought you mean I could be normal in all these other classes too. I don't have to have that stigma in my mind. And it totally, you know, made me always feel like I can't do anything, you know, math. Now that's given. I just can't do it. I, I, whatever. I don't care. I don't care, Brett. I don't care. (laughs) I I can't do a tip. I do it my own way. (laughs) And yes, it's 25%, not 20. That's just the way it works out and the way I do it. Y'all need to know. I can tell you later on how to do it. Um, you just got to count by fives. That's it. Um, anyway, Sorry about the side stories. Um, but I did have tutors to get through. and um, But it, the understanding that art was something of real value really wasn't there. I remember, you know, just the whole, like, Instagram and Facebook and all that for artists now. You can feel like a real artist way earlier than you could have when I was at Ole Miss. I mean, you were only just going to classes. There was nowhere to, like, expand what you were learning or put it out there, sell it, anything like that. Um, but I was still really getting the most value out of my outer shell. That was the value. When I thought about it this morning, I was like, it really was, what do I have of value that? Like, that was what... That's what interested my husband and me when he when he met me. I mean, you know, attraction is was there. Um, of course, I never ever believed that he didn't love me on the inside. That's always been solid, true. Um, but I thought, you know, that's what he, you know, that's was the original attraction. Uh, but I did things like Pike Calendar. You know, it was a January, Miss January, Pike Calendar. <laughs> it's a terrible picture. But anyway, (laughs) fraternity sweetheart, you know, that was a huge deal for me. It was so fun, you know, still traveling back and forth for modeling jobs and things were going well. Still had that little fear. Um, but I really, you know, began to believe that my outer value, um, trumped my inner value, you know? Um, so, uh, so we got married after graduation and we had our first child four years later, and then two years after that, we got pregnant with our second. Um, and I have a pregnant, so I was pregnant about eight, eight months pregnant. And I remember going to Atlanta to do Atlanta Pregnancy or some magazine. And so this was me about 
so that's pregnant me about mm, four weeks or five weeks before due date. Right after I did that job, um, I was in the shower and I'm washing my hair. And all of a sudden, uh, and blondes don't, we don't have, have that thing where there's a bunches of hair in this, in the, in the, do y'all, I mean, blondes, do you, yeah. I mean, you don't like have all this hair. Brunettes have that. It's like, my Lord, look at this drain. No, we don't have that little drain animal down there you have to pull out. And so I remember doing this and going, oh, my gosh, like cobwebs. Like it looked like cobwebs in my hands, like just wrapped in there. And I thought, that is so weird. And I got out of the shower and I dried my hair and I just kind of was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'm OCD. So I'm like, Oh my, you know, I'm watching it and going, Oh my goodness. And my, my, um, next door, my two doors up neighbor and a really good friend of mine, Lauren Huey, um, was two doors up. And I, so I just kind of go up to her house and I'm like, what is going on? And she's a dermatologist. Um, and she's like, oh, it looks like you have telogen effluvium. Yes, I know lots of big words, but telogen effluvium is where you, like, after you have a baby, which a lot of people experience getting, like, you feel like you're, okay, I'm a male pattern baldness. I'm going to be bald, like, right here. Uh, but that's where you lose it after you have a baby. And maybe after you stop nursing, there's, you know, stuff like that happens. Um, and she said, you might, it might just be that. Sorry, now I'm messing with my hair. It might just be that, um, but you're just having that early. So I remember thinking, okay, you know, that's that's normal. But I remember kind of like, okay, it's coming out. She goes, let's just wait through the weekend and kind of see what's going on. So we had a big event to do all weekend. It was a golf tournament type of thing, uh, member guest type thing where we were with people and at parties. And I remember just I would get dressed and, you know, dry my hair or whatever, and it was like my part was separating like I could see my part separating and I was like this is not right and I remember reaching back here and I had a bald spot in the back of my head and I was like okay so Monday or Tuesday after that I saw Lauren and I was like pulling up in my car and rolling my hey come here this is not normal is it so I show her the bald spot and she's like oh okay that might be alopecia areata. And I'm like, what? you know, what's that word? So alopecia areata, which is like, it's autoimmune disease, um, where you lose your hair. You can have spots, you know, kind of bald spots. I'm like, Oh, okay. She's like, when do you go to the doctor next? And I told her, actually, I'm going today. Just ask him if you can come to see me and if I can do some injections, some steroid injections in your head. And I was like, Oh, perfect. It's a you know, it's a fit. You won't believe. You'll be like, bring the needle to my head if you've got a bald spot. You're not afraid of shot. Suddenly, you're not afraid of shots or needles. Um, so I went to the doctor, and he, of course, being as sweet as he is, and just all just so much heart. He just saw me and like saw what was happening and teared up. He was like, of course, you know, well, you know, you need to go do that and go do that. And um, he was really worried. And I thought it's gonna be okay because see, Lawrence, I'm gonna give me some shots, and it's gonna be fine. Well, so I had, I called my husband and I said, we've got to go to UAB. Lauren is fitting me in to see the attending doctor because she was a resident at the time. Um, she's fitting, fitting me in to see the attending. And 
So Brett was like, okay, I'll, I'm gonna come, I'll come home. And Bess was two and a half or two, yeah, two and a half at the time. And he said, I'll just pick y'all both up and I'll take Bess to have lunch, McDonald's or whatever while you're in there. And so he dropped me off at Kirkland Clinic and I go in and I'm thinking I'm going to get some shots and the attending comes in and it's a teaching hospital. So she, her, I'm sure she was a wonderful doctor, but her bedside manner was not so good with a pregnant girl sitting there losing her hair. Um, and Lauren is wonderful and has a wonderful bedside manner and is the most amazing dermatologist and has, is starting her new practice soon, Lauren Huey. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, Lauren, hey. Um, uh, so I go, so she, she, you know, the attending comes in and she's like looking through my hair and she's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, see here, yeah. I actually have, have that spot right now. Huh, how about it? Um, that's for real in, in real time, discovering a bald spot right now, right before your eyes. <laughs> this is live. <laughs> live storytellers. Um, so she says, and she's looking, and she's saying, yeah, it's, yeah, see how she's losing it around, you know, around her hairline. That's not good. And Lauren's like, well, I thought maybe we could do some injections. And she's like, you can try. But, and I'm like, hold up. Are you saying, are you saying, are you thinking I'm like going bald? She's like, well, I'm not telling you that you're not. And I was like, okay. So I start, you know, the, my lip is curling. I have the worst ugly cry. And I'm like, tears are flowing. And Lauren's going, Liz, I'm going to go get some injections and we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to inject these and we're going to hope that we can, you know, curb this off. And um, so she starts injecting my head. And I'm crying and, you know, I'm thinking this is like, I think, yeah, it was not, yeah, cell phones were, it was not that long ago. Cell phone, so I, I call Brett afterwards, and I'm like, can you come and get me now? He's like, okay, how'd it go? I'm like, I'll tell you in the car. So I remember just sitting there in the waiting room, waiting on him to come back, and bawling. People probably thought that I just found out I had, you know, some horrific disease or that somebody had died the way I was crying. And I felt so stupid because I was like, this is just hair. How can I be this, this upset? But it was a reaction. Like the tears were real because it wasn't like, I think I don't want to be bald. You know, you don't do like that. It's like, by the way, yeah, you might be losing all your hair and you're like, you know, your reaction is real because it's part of you. Um, and so I get in the car and Brett is, you know, how'd it go? And I'm like trying not to like, I'm like, I need to wait for the lump. You know, but I said, you just need to know that I'm probably going bald. And so I'm just going to shave my head. Okay. First, he was like, okay, yes, you want me to shave my head too? I'll do it. I will shave my head. I was like, no, no, will not be good on you at all. One of us has got to stay cute. So, um, but I knew, and I had fears, you know, about, about fears of what people were going to think. All of that was going through. What, you know, who am I? I mean, what am I going to, how am I going to do this? I mean, I'm really good at concealing a zit or a cold sore, but this is like, you got to, you know, be really good at concealing this. And, you know, I'm never, conce- 
of course I conceal, but I'm like, oh, I'm bald. You should totally see it here. Look, I'm like, why do I even like wear a scarf if I just am showing everybody all the time? You know, so it's this weird like thing. I'm wide open, but I also care about what people think. And it's like this sort of strange dichotomy. Um, And so I knew I had to get it together. Um, I knew the baby was coming, and I was like, Liz, you won't have to get it together. And I, you know, knowing the Lord, knowing He had plans, and knowing He was good, you know, we're all, you know, extremely, you know, there in my mind, you know, but my heart was hurting. Um, and I was like, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what he's doing. You know, I don't just not knowing now I knew, okay, it's only going to do this at this point and this at this point, and you're going to be okay here at the end. You can't see that far. So you're just going, okay, I've got to, this was my first big hard thing, you know? Um, but so a friend of mine brought me to, um, a pastor that, that prayed for me and put hand laid hands on my head and um and he was praying and he's and he was he was he was praying Matthew um 10 24 to 33 so I have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known what I tell you in the dark utter in the light and what you hear whispered proclaim upon the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's will but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. And I was like, wait, what? There's a Bible verse about your hairs and God knowing them and numbering them? By the way, you do lose 100 hairs per day. <laughs> I need to throw that in there. That's known. I remember thinking, now that was 100. It's got to stop after this. <laughs> but knowing that he had numbered our hairs, you know, just that was a... That was a big moment for me. And right around, it takes like two and a half weeks for, no, I'm sorry, 10 days. If your hair falls out, it takes 10 days for it to come back to the surface of your scalp. So right around that time was around 10, 11 days. I started to feel whiskers, you know, at that time, you know, and I was like, it's going to be okay. I mean, I just remember feeling them going, okay, God, you know, this is okay. I can do this. You know, I can feel some whiskers and, you know, I can cover because by that time I was about, you know, it was about, let's see, maybe two weeks of my hair falling out and went into labor. Um, and so this is me on to do something behind it on that day and you can see you know that I have very thin hair like on, like on the side so that's kind of where I was that day um and I would kind of cover it up and whatnot I was on steroids they given me a big dose of steroids um so I couldn't nurse Fox, which really was hard for me because I really wanted to nurse. You know, it's hard every time that I nursed, I'd felt sad, you know, about that. Um, but I, you know, I knew I had to get it together and I had this wonderful, beautiful baby. So I would cover my my head with scarves and different, I was very crafty on the way that I did it to the point where people be like, Liz, she's just wearing her hair so silly. You know, she's doing something with the scarf. She just, they just thought I was trying to be funky or whatever. But I remember, um, it was, let's see, two weeks after I had Fox, I'm outside and I'm waving to a neighbor 
and I'm, I'm waving like, hey, how are you? And I kind of noticed that I have this resistance on the side of my face and I could feel it. And I, it's so go back inside and I look in the mirror and I'm smiling, but I'm only smiling kind of on one side. And it's, it's not as much on this side. It was like minute by minute got worse and worse. And I thought I'm having a stroke. So I, it's like that commercial, I'm having a stroke. That's what it felt like. I was like, oh my goodness. And so I called like Brett, come here. Brett comes upstairs. He sees, and he's noticing that my eye's not blinking when I, I'm like blinking with only one eye. So he goes and secretly calls his dad, who's a physician. He's like, Liz's eye isn't blinking. She says she can't feel the side of her face. He was like, you probably need to call 911. So we did. And right at that time, Lauren showed up. Wonderful Lauren, Huey, MD. Um, showed up and with a with a uh, like a pound cake or it was coffee cake or something and um, banana bread. Sorry, that y'all needed to know. I know banana bread, <laughs> but she did. And I was like, I'm having a stroke, you know. And so she does like a stroke. She's like, Liz, you're not having a stroke, but I think you do need to go to the doctor. So we did, and she kept the little baby, and she kept my daughter. So they, she and her husband, got to have a little you know, fast forward of their lives. Um, and so we, at the hospital, you know, it was a lot of, so you're losing hair a lot on this side and you're going to, so we need to do it. We need to do a CT I and mean, we need to see what's going on in your brain right here. So, I mean, it was a very fearful thing. Of course, everything was negative. Um, but he did tell me, and it was like, you're going to have to wear a patch over your eye. And I was like, great. So the patch over my eye to keep, cause if you do this, you you blink not you know naturally but you cannot blink your eye like nothing will make it close so you have to like close it and tape it shut to sleep it was really a pain and pouring that formula with no like sense of depth I would pour the formula like it would hit you know in the middle of the night it would just be like on the floor you know um, and just things like reading my Bible like just reading just driving a car so there I had this patch and I remember one day I was like I'm gonna work this patch I'm working it I am gonna I'm gonna have fun with this and I was going to the neurologist and I was like I'm just gonna do something really fun so I painted a blue eye (laughs) on yes I did so I thought this might look less weird um so I remember like walking in she's like oh my oh you know um but uh okay so I've gone from modeling about six weeks earlier to You've got a patch on and a scarf. And so in the mall, I remember having, I, I went, and I'm like, I'm going to find the best head, headbands. I'm going to figure out how to, to really, you know, be cute. This, I'm going to be cute anyway. I am. I'm going to figure this out. So I remember walking through the mall. And like I told y'all, I love strangers. I love making eye contact. I love smiling at people. So they're smiling like this. And people are pretending like they don't see me. And that is the first time in my life that it ever happened. Being invisible was a new experience that changed my life totally. Now I'm like, I see you. You know, if I see somebody with any disability at all, you know, try not to look away. I mean, even if you can tell they've been, you know, if they look beat up, I mean, whatever, just smile and say, hey, you know, what happened? Are you okay? You know, just something. Cause I felt so invisible. And I, I remember th- you know, look back and there was that little girl again sitting by herself, you know, at lunch and just kind of going, okay, I don't want to sink back into just being away. So people don't have to 
mess with me. And I remember little kids looking at me. Their parents wouldn't, but kids looking at me. One time I went, argh, because I was like, had the patch and the, and the scarf. Um, but I, re- I remember crying my eyes out, by, like behind one of those twirly things with all the headbands and stuff on it, just crying my eyes out thinking I'm invisible now. Um, so, you know, God, that only lasted two and a half weeks. Praise the Lord. That was crazy. That only happened. I mean, it was just a very short period of time. Um, God, God knows what you can handle. He's like, nope, she cannot do this. You know, like she's got, like, just going to bring that back. Um, I know that's not how it works, but <laughs> theologically, I know. But, um, Anyway, so my hair continued to fall out, and I was getting injections, um, and I got to the point where it was like, let me with come over. So I, this is like when the air conditioning comes on and your hair is actually blowing <laughs> with the air conditioning, I'm like, uh-uh. So I went to the hair salon, and I took Bess, and we, um, I had my hairdresser shave my head. And Bess was just playing. She's two and a half. You know, she's just playing. She didn't even notice. And I remember them shaving my head, and it actually took way longer. I, I feel like they shouldn't have really charged me. I don't think she did, actually. But here I am with a shaved head. Happy as a clam. This was the happiest. I, there I was at Birmingham Country Club meeting my mom for lunch. And seeing one of her friends going, I didn't know you had cancer. You know, and me being like, I, I don't. But I just, I have alopecia, you know, having to go, I have alopecia, but I just shaved it off. And, oh, it just feels so great. And her going, ah, you know, me sitting there with this in, in the BCC um, was pretty funny. But I, I was so, to get rid of that was wonderful. It was just a wonderful thing. So my hair did start to regrow, and I used a lot of Rogaine. Talk to me later if you want any tips on Rogaine and regrowing your hair and filling in bald spots and thinning. Podcast people, listen to me. <laughs> if you're a woman, Rogaine for men. Use it. Not the woman. It doesn't work. So Rogaine for men worked really, really well. And I was like, like Chia Pet. (laughs) And then I did, didn't I, Brett? I looked like a Chia Pet. And in fact, it was the Rogaine that they had was a dropper and I would rub it in, but then it would actually run down. And so I had long hairs on my forehead. (laughs) I just shaved them off. Get you out of razor, girls. If you got any hairs, just shave them. (laughs) Anyway, we'll talk about that in another podcast. Do another podcast about that. Um, Because I have lots of those type of things. But um, anyway, I don't, um, it did, you know, it started falling out again after that. Boom, same thing. And I was very, very discouraged. You know, and it's just been throughout, and I still have. So this is my most recent, you know, am I showing it fully, Brett? Oh, he, okay. Um, But, I still have them, you know, I've, I've been where I don't have bangs, where I don't have the back of my hair, where I don't have, you know, it's all, there's all different, it's all different kinds, and I'm so used to it, I don't think much about it, um, and I'm always blown away when I'm sharing my testimony, because I think there's so much God could have done, like, God, how come you gave me my hair back, because I'm still very vain, like, you didn't really teach me that much about vain, like, I, have I really learned my lesson, and then I realize. He's not teaching me a lesson. 
I, I just, I don't look at that, look at it like that right now. I mean, it might, later I might be like, he really was teaching me a lesson, but it, it's different. He was showing me that he's good in all of it, showing me that it gives me, for some reason, people want to listen to the story more when you look like you got it together and then you tell them you don't. You you look like, okay, everything's fine. Oh, she didn't have to worry about this or that. Oh, no, no, no. Let me show you the real stuff. I mean, I have to, you know, nobody is perfect. You know, God is doing things, and he has used this and given me so many opportunities to share with people and to share about about his goodness. And, yes, it's just hair. And one thing that was hard for me or what was feeling bad, feeling guilt about feeling bad about losing hair. And then somebody said, isn't that what Satan would love for you to think your problem is not enough for God or that it's that God doesn't care about it. He's too busy. He's got other things to worry about than your hair. No, he cares about the very hairs of your head. Hello. <laughs> he cares he cares because you care. It hurts and he knows that and he knew it would hurt. And it he has used it and he continues to write. It's really hard to prepare for giving for sharing my story because I'm like, "Dang, I, now I'm seeing something different from what he's done." Um because I'm like, you know, wouldn't I have more of a of a um of a testimony if I was walking around bald? Like, God, why didn't you do that? Like, why, you know, that can still happen, you know, and I I do know that, you know, I'm not ready for, I don't have bald grace right now. It's like trying to borrow grace for your imagination, in the words of my pastor's wife, who always says, don't try to borrow grace, you know, for your imagination, because God doesn't give it to you till you need it, till you need that grace. Um, so I continue to just... Um, try to show people, um, his goodness in it and was in Honduras and I'm going to wrap up soon, but I was in Honduras, um, on a mission trip and my daughter and I, and we went to, to the dump, um, where they live, where the garbage dump, where they live. And I was, they had told us before we went, they had said, do, don't they? Everybody's sitting around in, in a meeting saying, "Don't bring gifts." And what they were talking, they were saying, "Don't bring gifts," because they're saying, "Don't bring gifts," because it's not fair. You can give gifts to one child, and then that other child doesn't have it. Well, what they were talking about was gifts to the boys that live at the or- orphanage that we go to. They weren't talking about the kids in the dump. But I heard no gifts, so don't bring anything to give anybody. Is what I heard. So I had put my sketchbook in my in my bag and it was just me and bottled water and sketchbook and my daughter in a group and so we go into the dump and this little girl this beautiful little girl is just standing there and she's got bare feet and she's so precious and just the happy faces they have it's crazy you're just like the joy that children have because they just you know they just do and um and everybody starts pulling out a teddy bear you know earrings you know, and give them to all the kids. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, you're such a cheater. That's like showing up at a birthday party when they said no gifts. And I'm the schmutz that's sitting here without, you know, a gift. And I'm like, what? I don't have anything to give. And so I was like, I'll just draw her and see, you know, so I pulled out and I start drawing her and I drew a crown on her head and then I had the translator. And I just said, if, if God is your daddy, 
and you and he is the king and you are a princess that mean, I mean that means you're a princess and that means you're his daughter you are a princess and she was you know it the the greatest smile in the whole wide world when you you just yeah I employ anybody just to come to Honduras with us and let me draw in front of you because it is the coolest thing because the way that they react you're handing them something that they're they don't eat they don't play with they don't sell but you're handing them something that they don't normally see they don't have mirrors the only time they see themselves is when somebody takes a picture with their phone and shows it to them so they don't have anything in their hands um and you hand them that and it's just unbelievable and you know, it was just neat to see that God's showing me value in, in what he, the gift he's given me. And I didn't have to bring gifts. I had that gift to share, um, with these kids. And now I do these drive by drawings <laughs> where I will draw somebody. And you know, that does happen in the McDonald's drive through <laughs> actually do drive through drawings. Um, but drawing them and handing them a drawing really quick and having them squeal. I mean, Oh my, you get out of here. You gotta see what she just drew. <laughs> Did that look like me? Take a picture of me holding this. I mean, it's just so fun. And I know I feel very selfish cause I'm like, that was so fun. You know, and then I realize what God has given you that's easy, like people that can have people in their house, hello, that's a gift. Because if somebody tells me they're coming to my house, I'm like, for the love of Pete, you might get lost in there. And sorry, Brett, I forgot Brett's here because he's going, yes, that is a problem that we have. But you've been given a gift, everybody. If it's being a, being a listener, a good friend, my precious friend Paige, who's just showed me sweet how to be a sweet friend. Um, but just sh- showing people what God is giving you that comes easy, anything that comes easy that you feel like, it's almost like you feel like it doesn't have value <laughs> because it's that easy. That's what you're supposed to be doing all the time. And when you do it, you know that you are doing God what God has given you to do. So I know I've left tons out, but I'm going to end there. Um, I I just want to encourage y'all to whatever you're going through, even if it's, if you feel like it's too small and you're almost embarrassed to ask, ask for prayer because that's keeping you from spending time with God and coming to him with your pain. Even if you feel like it's small, it's something that he is allowing for a purpose in your life. Um, so I hope this was encouraging and, um, I think that's probably all I got. Thank you. We're so glad you listened to Liz's story today. And y'all have been so wonderful to share the stories with friends and pass the podcast along. Um, This story in particular could benefit so many people, people who felt bullied, those who feel invisible to everyone around them, those who need that encouragement to use their gift, whatever it is they're good at and that they enjoy. Anytime you give a rating or a review on iTunes, it helps um, just strengthen our presence on there and it helps the podcast to reach new ears. So we're always appreciative of that. And we post a new episode episode every Tuesday. So we hope you'll join us again soon.